you hear that music, it can only mean one thing, Police Academy. I have many fond memories of watching the film series, so I'm excited to be joined today by one of the film's most memorable stars. He's the man of 10,000 sound effects. Please welcome to talk about his life after that thing he did, Michael Winslow. You may start your message now. Hello, Michael. How are you in what I'm presuming is sunny Florida today? I am. And it, and it was it was fairly hot today. Uh, we've actually been having a little strange weather, you know, for like four or five days. It was actually zero Celsius, which was interesting for a while. You know, we, we, we're not used to that. So the Floridians had to deal with a, a, another new thing. So we're doing good. Doing good. How, how are you doing down there? Well, it's been snowing here all week. So really? Well, where are you exactly? <laughs> I'm in London. I'm in London. Oh, you mean oh, it's a British summer. That is our British summer, yeah, pretty much just rain. Well, the one week that we get that is sun. Um, I, mean, I know that you've toured here a few times and played the Edinburgh Festival. Oh, yeah. And we'll talk about your stand-up comedy properly a bit later on. But I'd love to know if there are any particular British noises that you picked up while you've been here that you've worked into your routine. Well, just just all the accents in general. See, when the Americans hear a British accent, they think it's just one place, just British. You know, but they don't understand, you know, the folks that have, that have traveled a little bit, you understand there's more than one different area, one different kind of accent. There's, there's different types of accents, different classes and types of people. There's a whole different world and we don't get it. The Americans think, oh, hello, nice to meet you. Yes, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's more than that. <laughs> yeah, our Americans usually think it's either somewhere between the Queen and uh, Dick Van Dyke and Mary Poppins. Oh, God. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, with the Cockney. Oh, yes, of course. Thank you, Gavna. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw that. That that was. You're right. That was pretty bad. Uh, but we said I, I practice. At least when I do some accents, I, you know, uh, Scottish is. Shut up, where ya? I don't want to comment on whether that's like quite common. <laughs> or, or or if I'm in Dublin, it's hello, how you doing? What's the crack? It makes it quite easy for you to blend in then when you travel. I try. I try. I, I really try. Because, uh, you, you know, when you're, when you're in, a, you're in foreign countries and you don't know the language, you got to use sound to uh, basically illustrate what you want to do. I mean, I was thinking if there's, uh, you know, some British noises you could add if you ever need will be things like uh, s- spoons in teacups. Oh, yeah. Oh, that, that, that. Yeah. Oh, I love that. <laughs> the, other, uh, the other noise that we get quite a lot in Britain in the summer is uh, foxes Ooh. that just roam wild in the streets screeching wild fox so what kind of screeches is it well i mean you say wild they just live in people's back gardens street fox they're they're everywhere in london there are more foxes in inner cities than there are outside (laughs) really yeah so so y'all got y'all got hood foxes yes they are so vicious you're (laughs) kidding me you got hood foxes man we got hood birds what kind of birds are they pigeons with knives i mean they're they're like going oh your soul <laughs> but 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 I'd love to hear the sound of a fox. I can work on that. Oh well, well. I mean, they're pretty much like they're fighting or looking for mates. Can you do the noise? Yeah, it's kind of like um, it sounds like a mixture between a baby crying and something dying. <laughs> that sounds really bad. <laughs> Let me rephrase that. <laughs> so so it's kind. Of, uh, okay, I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try it. <laughs> okay. So is it kind of like? It's more like you you cut out there. 
I think I think I broke my microphone. I don't think Zoom can handle the frequency. <laughs> oh, oh, well, well, they're not ready for me. That, that's why I'm trying to study Zoom first because they're they're not ready for the stuff I can put on on their audio feed. I hope their AI is going to get used to me. It's the equivalent of like doing something so high and your dogs can hear you. It's yeah. like that Zoom can't hear you. Oh, I do that all the time. People's dogs and cats. I tell people, you know, go ahead, turn the speakers on. On you know, if you if if you if you can let the speakers in in the house go, go ahead, turn it on, because the the dogs have an opinion. They would definitely definitely have an opinion, and 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 the cats are annoyingly interested when you go. My cats are the same when when we do cat noises, and and I'm. I, I don't know. I think I'm quite good at cat noises now because I've had cats all my life. So, um, you know, I, I have like the the kitten noises, like the mewing, like you do, like the Yeah. But then I also have the, uh, my old family cat, Ginger, used to sit outside in the rain meowing to come in because we didn't have a cat flap and he'd make this noise that would be like. Very good. <laughs> You're doing really, really well with this. You, you really are. Well, it, it works. We, we, we have a stray that, that sounds exactly like that. So so we just call her Miss Wow, because that's all she ever says. <laughs> a, diva, a diva cat from uh, from the neighborhood. Yo, what up, Miss Mouth? <laughs> what up, girl? And I turn into Tina Turner's sister, Tuna. You know, <laughs> go, hello, darling. <laughs> hello, Miss Wow. Diva kitty. So, darling, how's the fish? Turn over any trash cans this evening. <laughs> <laughs> and believe me, the animals... In the neighborhood, they get it and they react too. I can get a, I can get a barking chain in a neighborhood, especially in London. I can get a barking chain going for about twenty minutes. You know what I mean? A bark chain. All you do, all you have to do is just just one go, and then I go, and then just wait, and then a couple blocks away, sniff my what? What you say? <laughs> It works. And see, that's a, that's the first excitement in, in, in a month they've had. Right, I digress. Let me get back to the interview. So okay, okay. let's get down to business and head into the nostalgia zone. Sure. Now, nostalgia zone. Of course, you first came to mainstream attention as Larvel Jones in Police Academy. And it was a role that was created specially for you, wasn't it? Yes, it was. It was actually written for me. I wasn't in the original script. So Hugh Wilson and Paul Maslowski wrote me into the picture after they saw me do a, uh, a like a fusion jazz improv thing. I actually got lucky enough to open for Count Basie and his orchestra. So Count Basie's not that well known here in England. So if anyone doesn't know, he was a, a jazz legend in, in the US. In the 1940s and 50s. Yeah. He was famous for his big band music. So so what kind of stuff were you doing? And what was the reaction to you? I was, I was doing Jimi Hendrix fusion jazz beatbox noises before anybody knew what the heck that was. <laughs> so, and, and I, I was the opener. So I, I did all kinds of, you know, jazz oriented, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, and it worked <laughs> and they wrote me into the picture they actually wrote me as a plot point diversion as, as a plot um uh, a refresh and it worked so the first time we see you in the film you are in prison after being arrested yes he's in cuffs or in a police station after being arrested yeah and steve guttenberg as mahoney sits down next to you and you start beatboxing 
and doing machine gun noises and playing an imaginary harmonica. Yeah. I was wondering how involved were you in the script development? Because I can imagine the writers have to make sure you can actually do a noise before they create a scene around it. Oh, oh well, this this was this was so experimental that um, you know Hugh Wilson, um, who, who was our director, he had never he had he, this was his first feature. So we spent a lot of time scratching our heads trying to figure out how to uh, how do you how do you approach something you know that, that nobody's ever seen before. So the answer is you just dive right in. So obviously. Uh, oh, by the way, you noticed that Jones got out of those handcuffs. He did, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he got out of those things and nobody could figure out how. So obviously there was some big trouble that he got in to even get arrested. So those two needed to meet. So it just seemed to work together because, you know, let's just dive right in. We're, we're, we're in the middle of something. We'll figure it out as we go. So um, I pretty much it kind of improv the whole thing. And it was there was a, what are you in for? He goes, I'll show you. <laughs> and and it, it, it was just so directly in your face. People were not ready for it. Also, that was the first time Beatbox had ever been seen in, in, on a feature film format. Beatbox had never been seen before. Because so I know that you're kind of like one of the big pioneers of beatboxing, really, aren't you? I think people call you like the godfather of, of beatboxing. And it was, but it was seen on Police Academy first. Yeah. So that's like the legacy of Police Academy, not only cult comedy film, but also kickstarting the beatboxing scene at the same time. It's a whole, it, it, it was like two different worlds. Uh, it's kind of like a train wreck, you know? Uh, it, it's great. A train wreck that, that, that came up with a beautiful planet. <laughs> so after the film's release, the reaction worldwide was so huge. What do you think was the secret of Police Academy's success that made it such a hit and create so much affection for it still after all these years? Well, the first thing that it showed was it shows it showed everybody's humanity. You know whether you were whether you were in law enforcement or a police officer or not. It showed both sides. It showed the drama and it showed the comedy, which you don't really see very much. You know, you have your occasional you know Reno nine one ones that pop up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but but you know this was this was unique because it showed it showed everyone as human beings, uh, uh, human beings with flaws, and human beings with opinions, human beings with ideas, and folks that didn't get along very well. But when time came, when the action came down, they stuck together. So you know, you notice, you notice how it worked. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that I loved about the film was was every character had their own unique thing that was brilliant. Whether that was Tackleberry being gun obsessed in in a funny way, yeah, um, High Tower being this gentle giant, Hooks and her timid voice. I mean, sadly, those actors aren't with us anymore. But, I know, but but what a legacy they have being in those films with those characters that they created. I'm so, I was so, so fortunate. You know, it was a family. It, it still is. It was a family. And when I had heard that Bubba had passed away, I was, I was at the Edinburgh Fringe. I was, I was in Edinburgh and I couldn't, I couldn't make it back for the funeral. And, and Marion, you know, I, I was, I, I was in Florida and she was in Los Angeles and she had just called me. She had just called me uh, like, like a week before it, it was New Year's and everything seemed to be, to be fine. Um, but you know, it was a family, it was a family and I can hear their, I can still hear their voices in my head right now. Mm. I, I like, like I, I can still hear my, my father's voicemail machine, you know, I can, even though the machine is broken and, and doesn't exist anymore, I can still hear that, that last message. So like I said, they were, they were a family and the sounds they made were, were wonderful. And Bubba Smith really was a big pussycat. He really was. <laughs> he really, really was that. And, and, and Marion was, was, uh, she was, she was Tina Turner's sister for real. She was a real diva. Wonderful. Um, I mean, with, with Broadway experience, I mean, I didn't know that she was a Broadway performer. So 
everyone brought their skills with them when they, when they came to the first police academy. We brought our skills with us, our A game. We didn't know what, what the heck we were doing, but we brought our A game. And Steve, everyone had loved Steve, you know, you know, because he was he was a legend because of that movie Diner, um, and then Can't Stop the Music, and he, he'd been in movies, so we already knew that he'd been there. And Kim Cattrall, you know, we saw, you know, Kim, you know, she was just getting started. Yeah. It was, you know, what I'm saying, yeah. it was it was a wonderful thing to see. Mm-hmm. And G.W. Bailey, uh, we'd seen him from the TV series Mash, yeah, because he was in, he was Sergeant Rizzo. Um, and, and and Donovan Scott and Andrew Rubin and a, a, a lot of these folks, you know, had 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 experience, you know, long you know, that they brought with us. But George Gaines was was one of the um, the main rocks for us because he spoke six languages, and he was in Punky Brewster with Soleil Moonfry, and he was in Tootsie with, with Dustin Hoffman. So so we were looking at him like, geez, I better be good. I better know my I better know my darn my I better know I better know my fucking lines, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he was, of course, Commandant Lassard, and and yeah, he, yes, of course, the police academy. <laughs> he starred in all all seven films, as did you. But you're the only person that starred in all seven films, the cartoon and the TV series as well. <laughs> so, what kept bringing you back to it? Again, the humanity of of it all, and, and the real comedy timing, because I remember the the exec, uh, Paul Mislansky, the executive producer, would, would tell me that. Police Academy, it was the modern Keystone Cops. And, and, and they had their, their roots in Chaplin, in, in, in Charlie Chaplin's art form. So it, it just made a lot of sense to me to be, to be a part of an art form. So I said, well, if I want to be part of something, let me be a part of something, you know, that at least tries, you know, to, to show a, po- a positive, you know, at, at least at least some good, you know, good all-around entertainment, you know, and Academy did that. And I got lucky to be in Spaceballs too, so I got lucky. I got I got I got a little piece of a Mel Brooks picture, so not bad. We'll talk about Spaceballs in a second, but I mean, it seemed like you were just having a lot of fun making these movies. Were, were oh you, yeah, were you improvising a lot of it, or or was oh, it yeah. all scripted? It was. It's both. See, one of the things that Hugh Wilson would do is um, every, every so often, I'm sure you've heard these stories about how, how how script changes are made, you know, at the last minute. Oh, yeah. every, every so often, I'm sure somebody's made a joke in a movie where you end up getting a script that, that looks like um, uh, corn in the fall, you know, with all the different colors of popcorn. You know, you had an ear of corn with all the different colors. That's what the script was like. It was, hey, look at this. I got an Indian summer script. Look at this. Look, look at all these different colors. Red, blue, green, orange. Oh, yellow. Wow. This is, this is chartreuse. Nice. You see that? This, that just came in ten minutes ago, so we had to we had to like really learn these things, and and and, and the script can change at any minute. So, mm. luckily, you know, we could improv because sometimes uh, Hugh would say, you know what, forget this, or this, or Jerry Paris, our director in, in, in Academies Two and Three, because he'll say, you know what, I know what they're trying to do. What can we do with this scene? Improv it, and we would think about it. And by the third, fourth take, we had it, which was reminiscent of uh, when I did did a couple of Cheech and Chong movies where they had no script at all. Improv the entire thing, the whole movies, all the movies, because they would they would use cartoons. They would look up storyboards and then they would just act it out. And we had to improv the whole thing. That was pressure. <laughs> that was pressure. Keeps you on your toes, though, doesn't it? Oh, oh, oh yeah. You, you learn. You you learn. You know, <laughs> because I, I like to tell the story about um, having the same improv teacher that Robin Williams had. His name was Harvey Limbeck. Mm. And Harvey Harvey was was one of those. You know, he was Eric Von Zipper in all the Beach Blanket Bingo movies but one of the best improv teachers in LA ever, hands down ever. I would, I didn't want to be in Robin's class because he would argue with Harvey in five different languages. <laughs> I'm going, man, <laughs> I can't follow that. Are you kidding me? 
I mean, he's arguing with them in five different dialects. And I'm going, I can't keep up with this. I, I can't keep up with this. It's too much. It's genius. So uh, again, we, we we had to rely on, on some improv skills uh, as, as such as they were and, and unpolished as they were. We came up with a way to do it. It made it work. So sometimes, you know, you, you, we made it up. <laughs> uh, one of the things that always makes me chuckle is that the um, in the film, the academy was called the Metropolitan Police Academy, mm-hmm. which makes me chuckle because in London, oh, our police are the Metropolitan, Metropolitan Police. police oh, wow. <laughs> oh, I'm quite sorry. I'm quite um, Excuse me. Sorry about that. Um, it just turned out that way, really. I'm so, quite sorry. <laughs> I hope that our uh, our Metropolitan Police Academy is not the same as yours. <laughs> well, we'll see what the break room looks like. <laughs> <laughs> There's been um, a lot of talk about a new Police Academy film for quite a few years now. Yes. Um, where are we with it at the moment? Um, I have not spoken to the to Mr. Meslansky in, 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 in several weeks. Uh, actually, we, we spoke just after Marion had passed had passed away. Um, I know that that there is a script that was written and, and they had chosen and he has his production team and they're ready to do it. I, I just don't know what the status of things are. Mm. Um, but, but I know that it, there was, there was a development system in place. And obviously the pandemic's kind of put a stop to everything, delayed everything at the moment. Yeah. yeah. So while we're trying to pick up the pieces and figure out which way North is, um, it'll, it'll happen. Can you give us any hints about, about the plot from any bit of the, the strips you've seen? I mean, I presume that it'll be a class of new recruits with with Mahoney and Jones as the the teachers training people. Oh, there there'll be some there'll be some mayhem. There should be some great new folks. And then and then there should there there really should be some surprise elements because things are new now, because things are different. And maybe some maybe some alumni folks that'll show up out of nowhere. You never know. This is a wonderful opportunity to break the rules in an organized manner. I heard there was a, I think it was Shaquille O'Neal had been approached to yes. be in the film, to, to kind of be a high tower type character. You know, but perhaps we can we can go back at this and take another look now that if things get back to some semblance of normal. But I would love to try and look at that again because I remember I remember we had talked about that. Um, who knows? Maybe you can maybe maybe even. You know what? If Shaq don't want to do it, maybe, maybe The Rock will. That would be good. <laughs> That'd be funny. <laughs> the Rock and Police Academy. It, it really would. Oh, he'd hate it. <laughs> It'd be so much fun. As a gentle giant, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It'd be so much fun. Oh, my gosh. Start the campaign now. The Rock for Police Academy 8. <laughs> That'd be great. I, I'd love it. And, and and I want Betty White in the movie to play my stepmom. Well, if the if Mr. Sweetchuck is still around, surely she could. Oh yeah, she could maybe be uh be Mr. Sweetchuck's latest wife, maybe his mom. <laughs> or his, right. his mom, yeah. Oh, that that'd be that would be great. You know what, Tim Krasinski, he's in he's in Chicago. He's he's a Second City alumnus. Yeah, he's around. And thanks for reminding me. I have to reach out and call him. <laughs> I look forward to seeing Police Academy Eight when it eventually emerges for us all to see. So it's time to move out of the nostalgia zone now and into what I like to call the latted zone, otherwise known as life after that thing I did. Obviously, your police academy work spanned kind of almost 15 years um, and you were doing other things around it. And one of mm. those things was you appearing in Spaceballs, as you mentioned before. Yes, with Mel Brooks. Which... Um, 
which gave you one of the many highlights of the film. But I was wondering, was that scene created for you or did you have creative license to come up with the beeps, the sweeps and the creeps? I'm afraid we kind of made it up again. <laughs> that was great. Well, we had the basics of it. and we, we had everything set up. We had the whole, you know, Mr. Coffee and we had the Mr. Radar and we had the everything set up and, and he was trying to, to figure out the timing on it. And was this the day before or the day after the studio sent a young executive, you know, in a Brooks Brothers suit that didn't fit him. They sent this young executive kid with, with the acting behind the ear. They sent him down to tell Mr. Brooks that um, he was three pages behind or something. And I'm sitting there watching this going, oh, this is going to be good. <laughs> Mr. Brooks, uh, just want to let you know that uh, you're, you're still four pages uh, behind in the script. Oh, I'm four pages behind, huh? Give me the script. Oh, no. Here we go. <laughs> Watch this. Oh, now we're four pages. Get off my set. It's like, wow. Yeah, baby. It's good. Well, make it up. So, I believe it's the sweeps and the grips. The what? The what? The what? <laughs> we made it up, man. <laughs> but think about the radar being jammed. We had to get to that point. We had to figure out how to get from, sir. <laughs> so, he said, you know what? You do that radio thing. How about you just keep doing it even after we walk over to you? Hmm. And then Rick Morana said, yeah, and I can get so mad that I'll grab the microphone and tear it off, tear it off, and throw it away and look at you like nothing's wrong. He goes, yeah. Was that a one take thing then? Was that a one take shot? We kept messing it up so much. We had to do it about four or five times. <laughs> but it, 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 it was great. And, and at the same time, you know, Rick and Mel were, were, were working in tandem together because at the time uh, Rick was trying to get his DGA certification. So he was technically one of the assistant directors on the film. So there, it was, there really was a synergy uh, between those two working together. And I was sitting there watching it going, okay, all right, these, these are pros. You see, you see, Rick's already a pro, but he's going to have his DGA. And they were working together and he was learning. And I, I was learning by watching. I, I watched them. And, and on that same set, you know, when you get to learn timing, you get to, you, you get to watch um, people that, that, you, that you saw on one side of the screen and, and they were there. Gene Wilder walked through one day. Wow. It's one of the most gentle, nicest people. I, I, I swear, I couldn't believe it. One of the really, really personable, nice gentlemen. And I took away uh, a lot of positive feeling from that. And the same thing with John Candy. I, I took away a lot of positive uh, out of that for myself. Yeah. And I step outside of the MGM studio and, and Stallone's driving by in, in, in a lowered Chevy Suburban. It's all happening then at the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's making code name Cobra. Nice truck. Yo, that's right. Yo, that's right. He likes my truck. Yo, Speaking of comic timing, um, you've been doing stand-up now for many years all around the world. And the thing that I love is that because you're so unique with what you do, your comedy and show isn't dependent on the audience understanding English. Yes, sound has no language barrier. And, and it also has no communication barrier. Audio doesn't because um, when I would when I did the show at Dublin College or University Dublin University, um, we had a lot of uh, some folks from the hearing impaired uh, came to the show uh, because they wanted to feel the show. So they could feel the sound. They would sit by the speakers. So I made a specific point of, of directing a lot of subsonic tone stuff towards the bass, towards the subwoofers, to make sure that they heard it too. I made I made one engineer mad at me because I kept making the the noise so low and he, he couldn't turn it down. So I said, leave it alone. And he said, why? He kept getting wrong. Why? Uh, so why did you want me to turn that down then? What's his problem then? 
What do you mean? For, for what reason do I have to not turn it down? And a couple of glasses fell off. It's just, ah, uh, <laughs> you're shaking, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> That's why. So yeah, um, sound has no language barrier. I mean, I know that comedians probably more so today are more aware of their material because they don't want to offend people. Mm. So is it is it easier for you because you're more family friendly or do you kind of notice regional differences depending on where you are in the world and what you can do and not do? I make noises. I hear it all. So I, I hear the differences. So, and I also hear the difference of differences of opinions and, and I, I'm somehow able to, able to, you know, I just squish it in there because I've got a slightly strange sense of humor. So I'll find a way to sneak the humor in and sneak the message in. You may not see it right away, but I, I, I'll find a way. <laughs> Believe me, I, I, I do. And because you have, to, you have to understand, I was raised on, on, on a diet of Wiley Coyote, Roadrunner, all the Bugs Bunny stuff with, with Mel Blanc, and, and Danger Mouse, and Monty Python's Flying Circus. It's your fault. <laughs> the Young Ones, uh, Quark. It's all your fault. It's y'all's fault. I'm weird because it's y'all's fault. <laughs> That's right, bloody hobbits. Get off! Oh, this way you've run, you fool. <laughs> my precious, my precious. Yeah, it's y'all's fault, man. I'm weird because it's y- because of y'all. Well, but they always say the British are eccentric, right? Yeah, not really. We just have to know what we want, really. <laughs> I know you've done a few stand-up shows recently. Mm. How are you finding performing during the pandemic? And are there any new noises that recent events have inspired? Well, some of the noises um, are not funny ones, I must, I must say. Um, I've had the chance to uh, to see a lot happen. And, and you know, it's, there's, it's I don't think our grandparents could prepare us for this. Hmm. Our parents and our grandparents were not prepared for this. Our great-grandparents probably could have helped us to emotionally prepare for this, but we were not ready. So I've, I, I, our, our lives have changed, our careers have changed, and our means of communication has changed, and our means of entertainment has changed. So now everything is social media and, and online for me. Yeah. Uh, there are live shows. Um, Florida is, we're, it's fluctuating, but things are improving. It's, things are improving. It's fluctuating, and we're still open. We're still doing live shows, and some parts of the U.S. are still doing it live. And like I'm saying, it's, it's improving. It's fluctuating, but improving. But but now the medium of communication, the medium of, edu- of education, sound is a learning tool. Sound is entertainment, and now sound is a is a is a life training tool. Now, so my job is to help everyone forget about the rent for an hour or two. So now I'm in a whole different market now. I'm into voiceovers now. Is I'm I'm back into video games now. I'm I'm a gamer. I'm back into video game noises now. I'm gonna to have to head in the direction of making making video games for people so that they feel better. I'm gonna to have to make my own automobile noises. I'm gonna to have to make my own um, video stuff. I'm gonna to have to just basically break the rules in an organized fashion and find a new way to reach everyone. So I'm gonna to have to be on Twitch now. I'm gonna to have to be. I'm gonna to have to learn about. The Patreons of the world, and the besides the YouTube, the whole model is broken, and and is now reforming itself. Um, for all the Zoom people watching Zoom, has anybody been, been over at Skype lately? Yeah, they changed they changed their dashboard. What? 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 Yeah, things have changed now. Everything's everything's different now. You mentioned video games there. Yeah, it was something that you'd kind of dabbled in a bit before making the the noises for uh, yeah. video games. I think you did a voice in Grand Theft Auto as well. They actually put me in there and I didn't even know about it. Oh, wow. Story okay. we'll talk about. But you know what? Eventually, I will come up with my own video game and, and we'll talk. 
we'll talk about that. But um, I have done other games and appeared in other games. And I, I learned that I'm, I'm way beyond, people call me the man of 10,000 sound effects. Well, I'm in the hundreds of thousands now because I've done games. And one video game alone is 3,000 sounds. Wow. Because you have layers. You know, if, if you're going to do the sound of a video, like I did a thing called Wizard Ops, where I had to do all of it. All of it, all of it. I mean, all of it, all of it. I mean, if you're, you're going to do one of those one of those shooter games or a second and third person, you know, games, any of those games, you know, I don't care if it's Rust or if it's it's Minecraft or games that make those noises, you have to do the sound of the people's feet as, as they're walking up the hill or about to attack each other. You got to do the feet of each single one of them. You got to do layers of those feet. Okay, that's 40, 20, 30, 40 of those. Now you have to put the people grunting 20, 30, 40 of those. Now you have to have them... Um, with their equipment and their leather and everything else. That's 20, 30, 40 tracks of that. Then you have to do the sound of, of the actual uh, fighting noises and then the hit noises. There's 60, 70 uh, tracks of that. Then you, you see what I mean? Yeah. And that's just one level. So you can easily get up to 500 you know, per level. And when you get a game that's got four or five levels, you're, we're into the thousands. So we're way past 10,000 sound effects now. Wow, keeps you busy though, right? I, I have no idea. I had no idea. I mean, Foley work, uh, uh, video games is like a, a Foley stage, you know, in, 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 you know, on, on steroids. It's like wow, because you know, I, I'm I'm used to the to the original stuff. Like when I did Back to the Future Part Three, I was Michael J. Fox's feet. <laughs> Spielberg, yeah, they hired me to come in and just do so and be his feet. <laughs> <laughs> you know, as he as as he was in the in the bar in part in Back to the Future Three when he was in the bar and he had on those Reebok pump shoes and it really annoyed the cowboys that were in the bar and he asked him what his name was and he made the mistake of telling him his name was Clint Eastwood. Oh, is this when um, Biff comes in and he's like shooting out the floor and he's doing like the moonwalk? And his feet, yeah, I'm his feet. <laughs> <laughs> See, with an entire Foley stage, that would have taken an entire day to shoot that whole scene, you know, because they had to set up the rocks and the and the shoes, and they, yeah, I did. I had I knocked that out in 17 minutes. I mean, I was I was going to say that I I don't I can't really think of many other people that do what you do at your level. There are beatboxers, but there isn't anyone that does the kind of range of sound effects you do, and or at least make a living out of it. Yeah, I was wondering if you thought, like, as an art form if you thought it was overlooked because people do just rely on technology now to reproduce those sounds. Yeah, they've done it and they've suffered for it, you know, because a lot of people are, are, you can't figure out why, why is my soundtrack not sound good? Because you use the same samples that everybody else used over and over and over again. You didn't go out and get your own. So people are, there's, there's, a, there's like a renaissance and resurgence. People are learning how to plug in a microphone. You know, nowadays, you know, your the phone on your iPhone is not enough. Now folks are going out and they're getting USB microphones. And there's, there's so many different kinds, you know, where you, where you can, there's, there's even a thing where you, you can take an existing, you know, regular XLR microphone and just plug it into a, into a USB. A, this is a blue icicle where it's got a USB port, you know, where you can plug your, you can plug your regular microphone, your regular audio you know, that you use in your live shows in here. And suddenly you've got a USB mic. So yeah. Yeah, the whole thing is different now in terms of how the sound's delivered. So now people all of a sudden have to be have to be real careful how their sound is. You can't distort now because you can't. If you want you want people to pay attention on a pro level, guess what? Your sound better be right because people are learning. You, you know, there's there's more to it. There's more to this than just the phone itself. And there and they have clip-on microphones that are USB that clip onto your smartphone. So and I saw these techniques being used because you know, what I. Well, I visited South Africa for the for these for the Nando's Nando's Comedy Festival. 
and I and I noticed that that they're that the folks in Africa were, were making movies, you know, for the last ten years using using cell phones, because what they would do is they would light it properly, make sure the the, 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 the make sure that the, the costumes were banging, and make sure that everybody knew their lines, and make sure that the audio was recorded separately. But they were releasing feature films shot on smartphones for years, and I saw that, and, and it, it blew my mind. And we're just now getting to that out here. I've, yeah, I've seen that you've really been embracing new technology in terms of, you know, you've got your looping station, you're you're on Twitch now, and I think you're on TikTok as well, and you, Facebook and all the social media platforms and everything. And I'm figuring I'm figuring out the talkity tick. I'm getting there. I'm, I'm getting there. It's it is such an odd format, but I'm 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 figuring it out. I'm getting there. <laughs> There's one amazing clip that I've seen of you on YouTube where you're performing. Led Zeppelin, and you're doing the electric guitar complete with distortion. But are there any sounds that you do that actually hurt, like physically hurt your throat when you do them or are pretty taxing for you to do? That guitar is very taxing. I mean, I now understand why Pete Townsend and Roger Daltrey, you know, can't scream as loud as they used to. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it just, stuff hurts. Uh, diesel engines hurt. Um, 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 thrash metal or death metal guitar, finished death metal hurts unsurprisingly okay <laughs> i understand now why why lead singers only last 13 months <laughs> and and but but it's 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 for me it's the constancy of sound or 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 the precision of sound like violin noises like like violin sounds or or or, or if i or if i do a bunch of pirate noises you know and because i had to do a, a soundtrack for for a really really interesting film called ninjas versus pirates they had me do the entire soundtrack, all of it, water and ocean, everything. Wow. It's just one of those things, you know, where, yeah, stuff hurts. Uh, guitars can hurt. Uh, um, uh, some some raspy things. Um, Louis Armstrong does not hurt. But but I can tell you that um, Honey Badger's uh, noises or, or the Tasmanian Devil, it does hurt. <laughs> it's okay to go, as opposed to, shut up. It, it, just, it just depends. It depends, but diesel, when you have to go the ouch. In the same way that pianists ensure their fingers and, and I guess singers ensure their, their voices, oh, yeah. do you also have to ensure your voice too in case you get laryngitis and it kind of puts you out of action? Well, nowadays it's just best um, to exercise extreme care. Um, you know, back in the day, by, uh, 19, around there, I think I had my voice insured. Um, I think I, I'm just trying to remember. It was hazy. There was a Lloyd's of London thing. I think way back in the day or something. Right, I did it for a year or two years or something. It was expensive as all get out, but you know, I, I think common sense is probably best. If you don't feel if you don't feel well, then this is, this is an instrument. So you, I'm a voice instrumentalist basically. So you exercise the you know, on the side of caution. How does someone decide how much your voice is worth to insure it? Like, how does someone put a figure on that? I have no idea. I don't know how that stuff. See, the the year that all that stuff happened, I believe uh, Mary Hart from Entertainment Tonight had just had her legs insured, or something like that. That was this is like the eighties. It's like wow. I said so. They they insured her legs, and I said, oh, "Cool." I wish I, I wish I could get my kneecaps insured. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I just want to go back to the to the music because I saw you on Twitch a couple of days ago. Yes, and um, and it was great to watch you with your leaping station creating a track off the cuff and you doing all the instruments. Are you making an album? I I I, I finally I finally pulled it out of mothballs. I've put this thing in mothballs three four times. 
And I pulled it out again because people keep begging me to do it. I'm trying to figure out how best to to release it. I, I don't know how. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to get a research team together to figure out how best I could get it to everyone because I know that there's there are these new. It, remember, it's a different world again. It's a whole different world again. The whole thing um, since Napster, everything on it, everything turned on his ear again, again, again. Everything's on his ear. So you have your band camps now, and you have your sound clouds, and you have your 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 blockchain, and you have your different ways of music music being delivered to people. So I've got to figure out what the best way to do it is. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I, I looked at the, um, basic app delivery systems and the, and the spotties and everything else. And I, I don't know yet. I, I'm going to release it somehow. I just don't know where or how I'm still trying to figure out what's the best way for me to reach everyone so that everyone gets, gets an opportunity to get a piece of the action. And what kind of, what kind of music is on the album? I'm trying, I'm open to suggestion because I've got, I've got everything, but if I go too far hip hop, somebody will be unhappy. If I go too far EDM. Yeah, some folks will get a little, feel a little crowded. If I go into the metal stuff, I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, when I finally learned how to do bagpipes for the first time, yeah, that my voice hurt. When I that. <laughs> <laughs> that really did. That really hurt. I that, that hurt. It, it, that really hurt. You know, to, to just to go. Wow, man! Ow, man! Dang! But yeah, I'm, I'm going to put something out, and I would like to to collaborate with folks. And I probably will, but the first one or two I'll probably put out just just me. And in terms of style, it could go world world music because I play everything. I play everything, as you know, from reggae music to uh, to jazz to to backwards country music, where, where, you, where you get your dog back and you get your truck back. <laughs> <laughs> your wife returns to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, you get it. Oh, maybe not that. <laughs> so she takes back the ring. <laughs> ex- exactly. Yeah. Well, at least my dog came back. <laughs> Shut up. So the smart thing to do would be to release one album for every genre of style of music. That's probably what I would do. So along with um, uh, the Backwards Country song, I could probably do My Truck Got Stuck in the Mud If You're Cheating Hard. That'll be a good one. <laughs> that's that's going to be a real good one. <laughs> I thought what you'd be really great at is like a live DJ type set. Would love to. With your looping station. And so you'll be in a club hmm. dropping your bass line and then you start building it slowly track by track until you get to this full thing at the end where everybody just goes mental. Oh yeah. Well, that, that, that's what I'm, that's probably what I'm going to end up doing, but I'm going to have to do it, you know, uh, through online means to get to everybody. Um, but I'll, I'll come up with, with, with train wreck mashups and stuff. Like I would love to, to do a Toto song Africa just as, 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 as a, as a thing. And then maybe mix some, uh, Pink Floyd in there. <laughs> you see, so the possibilities are are, are endless, and I, I will put it out by by summer. So everyone has something to listen to. I'll try to get it out by summer. And what I'll probably do is, because I do have some singles that are ready to go now, I'll go ahead and probably release those next. Because um, I've been working with a, um, a Lauren Hills DJ. His name is Da Vinci. Oh wow! And I I know that he I know that he goes over there a lot, and so I, I think I'll 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 find a way to mash something up. Cool. Uh, last question for you. You have two grandkids now. I bet you are the best entertainment for them when babysitting. Well, I, I, I can tell you that the, the first time I, 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 I did noises for, for Hunter, the oldest grandkid, and I was in another room, he came around the corner and goes, I know that's you. So smart. <laughs> no, that was you. <laughs> whereas whereas uh, Archimedes, uh, my youngest grandson, 
he wants to communicate using chest sounds. And I'm trying to tell him that, that, that you have to speak. Even if it's one, two, three words, you have to utilize all of the tools in your in, in, in your capability, in your superhero kit. Is there a, a, like a guaranteed noise to, to stop babies from crying or toddlers from crying or tantrums or anything? <coughs> oh, Zoom doesn't like the frequency of your little noises. Oh, oh is it mad? <laughs> it, it doesn't like the kitty noise. What did it do? What, 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 what did it sound like? It just cuts out. It's like it starts and then it just reaches this upper register of, of not, not going to have it, not having it anymore. So so that means that when it gets to... Then it cuts out, yeah. 60 cycle. Oh, the 60 cycle time. I'm going to work on that. That reminds me about Gremlins because you're showing me a toy. I know you were the voice of Stripe, but did you used to do Gizmo's singing voice as well? Mm, I don't know who they got to do that. I know that Howie Mandel was Gizmo. But as to who the actual, you know, they won't say. Because that was a Joe Dante Spielberg film. Uh, we weren't allowed to, to, to talk to each other. You know, none, none of the actors, you know, at the time it was made because people kept ripping off Steven Spielberg because his ideas were so good that people would do knockoffs of everything. And he got, he got annoyed. He goes, all right, that's enough of that. So uh, uh, when Gremlins came out, it was all on complete. He was the first one to do this, like on heavy lockdown. Um, Gremlins was the first one that everyone Everybody had to sign a non-disclosure agreement. That was the first time it was used, you know, in terms of every single member of production. We weren't allowed to speak to the other actors. We weren't allowed to, to see the whole script. We weren't allowed to see um, uh, scenes that we weren't that we weren't involved with. Nothing, straight up. And he was right because the minute when that movie came out, immediately after that, everything from Space Invaders to Critters <laughs> to you name it came out, man. Batteries not included. Wow, critters. You, oh, wow, everything, everything. I mean, Space Invaders was funny, man. <laughs> but the, but all the little knockoffs, because he was right. People say, "Oh, right." They, they knew Spielberg. He was the genius. He was the genius guy. So yeah, we learned. Michael, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. It's been such a treat, great fun. Um, I look forward to you coming back over to this side of the pond soon. I I, I can't wait. I, I just I'm just looking for a good venue, a good place to, to to do a show. I don't know where I would go. I mean, I I like the Apollo Theater, of course. Who wouldn't? Uh, but I'm sure that there's there's some place for me to go there, and I, I would love to try. You know, somehow maybe I should I should talk to to ITV or BBC or. Or whoever, and maybe maybe we can figure out some way to do a series of specials because I really would like to. Yeah, that'd be brilliant. I would like to. I would like to do something there, but I don't know who I should talk to. I know that you have Dave, Dave TV. You have you have all kinds of different things, but I need to figure out somehow. Maybe I should start with Rostamouse calling Rostamouse. We need to make a bad thing good. Rostamouse. <laughs> Maybe I should maybe I should work with them. I don't know. The opportunities are <laughs> endless. So I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to call somebody, but I, I know that um it, it's, it's British television is, is such a is such a big, big place. I don't even know where to begin. I'll hook you up after we finish. Don't worry. Thank you very much. And practice your noises. I know you didn't do any tonight, but that's all right. Actually, you did. You did you just you did you did 12 really excellent noises. <laughs> I am actually really good at doing my um I could do a very good uh, honking horn. Do it. I can only do it when I do a, the motion of squeezing an imaginary horn at the same time, but it's... Um, oh, you mean the, yeah, the, the ooga horn. <laughs> so it's... <laughs> there you go. That's that's my horn. Okay. And I'm good at doing, uh, like, singing chickens as well. Like a... 
excellent. Oh, I'm a fan now. All right, well, that, that's good. I'm, I'm a fan I now. I don't think I'll be challenging you anytime soon. Don't worry. Well, well, the kitty, the kitty cat noises were excellent. So, like I said, you, you, you got some. I must say, you definitely, ha- you had a, you have a soundboard. It's a very limited soundboard. Yeah, but it works. <laughs> From you, I shall take that as a high compliment. <laughs> Thank you so much, Michael. Thank you so very much for having me. thanks again to Michael for chatting with me. You can find him on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitch. All the handles are in the show notes for you to follow. And do check out the amazing Led Zeppelin performance we talked about. It's a sight and sound to behold. As ever, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Celebrity Catch-Up. I know there's lots of podcasts to choose from, so thank you so much for choosing this one. If you'd like to support the show, it would really help me out if you could please share it with a friend or post a screenshot on social media so that others can enjoy a bit of nostalgia too. And do hit that follow or subscribe button so you can be notified when new episodes come out. It's free. You can also visit celebritycatchup.com for other ways to help out and also get in touch if you'd like to say hello. Until next time, thanks for listening. <laughs>